You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger and Justin Lake. Man, they're they're bad again. We we, we reached this point a lot faster than than I expected, Justin. They're bad again. It they were good for two weeks, and now they're bad. Yeah, they're almost scary bad in oh. this sense of Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, happy Halloween. Gosh. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Uh, this will come out November 1st. So um, hopefully you didn't eat any candy that's been tainted. Um, some uh, Apparently that's a thing. People put drugs in candy. Um, that that I, seem, seems weird to me. That doesn't seem fun, but I mean... I don't, I, I, yeah, that's just strange. I just like, that's just strange. I like, they say it every year. Right. And look, I don't want to doubt this, but I'm just thinking to myself, how often does that really happen? Like, here's how I think about it. Um, if you're a drug dealer, right. And it just seems to me as if, why would you give away your product in candy? Unless it's like some kind of poisoning thing going on, which in that case, I mean, Anyway, welcome to the Canes <laughs> no, Country Podcast. <laughs> welcome to the Canes That's... Country Podcast. Um, wow, what a start! Um, I didn't expect it to start like that, but it did. Um, I'm Brett Finger. Uh, Justin, Lape, hello. Hello. Uh, do you want to keep on talking about uh, tainted Halloween candy, or would you like to talk about the hurricanes? I will talk about tainted Halloween candy briefly, and then we'll move on. <laughs> I know right. this is not what the people came here for. You don't know um, that. But you yeah, it's like, uh, um, it's like you're losing money. Yeah, why would you want to lose that's, money? That's my that's my thought process on it, too. Um, granted, I'm not a drug dealer, so I wouldn't really know what the mindset would be. Um, perhaps we should have one on sometime soon. We can just get a drug dealer on. We can talk about it. Um Yes, if you um, happen to give out drugs to kids at on Halloween, um, please reach out to us <laughs> by email. Um, yeah, sbncanescountry at gmail dot com, and tell us your experience and why you want to lose money. But yeah, um, yeah, but <laughs> moving on. Yes, the hurricanes. It's almost as if they were on drugs this week. I mean, it just <laughs> it was not very. It was not very sharp. It was not, you know, there was just <laughs> terrible points throughout the week. But yeah. um, what is your take so far? About the drugs or the, the canes? Uh, to the canes. We're moving okay. on here, baby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we we were, when we talked last week, it was after the Detroit game, right? So, yep. They had kind of righted the ship a little bit um, after that losing streak. It felt like they were, you know, I guess it felt like they were kind of on track again. I, I think we were both still very pessimistic, um, mostly after that. Um, and then they had the San Jose game, and and it was, look, that's a game that they would have lost last year, nine times out of nine, I, and ten out of ten. Um they were down to nothing in the first. They go into the first intermission down to nothing. Second period, 
Um, they get a goal back, and then they take a penalty. Like two minutes later, Walmart went for slashing, and then San Jose scored on the power play, and they took the two goal lead again, and they took the momentum again. But then they fought back again, and they they really outskated and outworked San Jose in the final two periods. And then, of course, Brock McGinn uh, scored in shootout, which he he usually does. Uh, he's he's been surprisingly good in the shootout in his career. So they got a big win against San Jose. It felt like a riding of the ship of sorts. Um, now it's on Friday night. Then on Sunday. Uh, the Islanders came to town. Tomas Grice came to town. And when Mr. Grice comes to town, it's very rarely a, a good time. Uh, he made 38, 39 saves. They lost. Uh, the Islanders have beaten the Hurricanes 2-1 to twice at PNC Arena this year. Grice has made 83 saves on 85 shots. What the hell? Um, and at that point, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, it's just the Islanders. It's just a... Grice thing. And then the Boston game happened. And and the Boston game was really disappointing. It was it just it felt like a Bill Peters loss. Like even more so than the Islanders game felt like a loss that would happen under Bill Peters, both of them. Um the Colorado game that we talked about in in last week's episode, um the one that you were talking about a lot about how it just, how it was just disappointing. Uh, it felt that felt like a Bill Peters loss too, and it's just we're after that four and one start, they're two and five in their last seven, and it's kind of it's like they they started the year with really like they they came out of the gate, they were doing well, and it it just really they've come back down to earth where I think they probably are in reality. Um, so a disappointing week. It's just it's a disappointing week. What do you think about it? Um, yeah, I, I'm not willing to throw my hat in and, you know, throw the towel in as well, um, on this team just yet. Um, but the trend right now is not good. As you said, two and five in their last seven games, they've scored two or fewer goals in five of those games. And those were all losses, um, in all of their four wins to start the season, they scored three or more. And then, um, in all of those regulation losses, all those five regulation losses, the goaltenders have combined for an 894 save percentage. So, like, the stats aren't looking good as of late. Um, I think, to me, I think you went from that real high when it came to the San Jose game. They battled back. That's the team you wanted to see. That's the team mm. you saw at the beginning of the year. I know I say that as only being about two weeks ago, <laughs> but... Um, that's the team that battled back. For example, it, it reminded me a lot of the New York Rangers game where they just kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, it was like they started terrible in that first period against the Sharks, and then they just turned it on in the second. And they yeah. just their, they their couldn't second be stopped. Period, their second period was probably the best period they've had all year. And mm-hmm. that's what I think. It, it was after yeah. one of their worst periods in the first period. Yeah, yeah, and and the third period, I mean, they were about to score at the buzzer there, and they almost scored in overtime like four times. It Fogel seemed like could have scored like seven um, goals that game. It was yeah, wild. and he he was he was playing unbelievable that game. Even though I don't think he factored in for a point at all, um, nope. but he he had breakaway chances. I mean, he was breaking up passes left and right. I mean, he was playing very well. Um, 
So I know that he had that kind of hot start in the 4-0 and one streak, but um, I don't. I'm not willing to give up on him yet either. Um, yeah, and then uh, to get a shootout win is is something this team definitely really didn't get under Bill Peters. I'm not. <laughs> I also, I have to say, I was pessimistic. I thought they were going to win it in overtime, frankly. I just thought they had the momentum. Something was going to be different. And they were, you know, they were playing out of their mind. Um, when it got to the shootout, I got nervous because I saw the personnel. I am not a favor of throwing Justin Williams first. Trip <laughs> Tracy said, hey, this is a culture thing He's to show it. it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I'm trying to win games out here, man. You're so, so right. You're so right. Like that's like a like a that's like a movie thing. It's like, yeah, that's great. That's a that's a great story if it works, but it's not going to work. It's like it's it's you know. Like Yeah, and I mean, know. there was nothing he showed like that he's got this dangle <laughs> magic <laughs> yeah. going on. I mean, yeah. he kind of just went up, kind of hesitated a little bit and then tried to go five hole, but yeah. um again is another one I have to say he scored the only winner. I don't know if I'm a fan of grabbing him second there. Um, I'm glad that it worked out, but you know, Sebastian Ajo rings off the post on the third mm-hmm. attempt, and and you know, if Brock McGinn misses there, I mean, I don't know. You go to sudden death, and and just you know, things get even more trickier yeah. there. Yeah, um, I I like the Brock McGinn move. I usually don't go in favor of like. Like when a role player with not very good skill has like a great game and they get an expanded role in overtime and shootout, I'm usually not a fan of that. Um, in this situation, though, McGinn's actually been pretty good in the shootout in his career, and he might have been their best player uh, against the Sharks. Uh, one thing that did confuse me, though, um, during overtime, the trio on the ice was Dougie Hamilton, Justin Falk, and Brock McGinn, that was a trio in in, in overtime. Um, I've been petitioning for Dougie Hamilton to get more ice time nonstop on this podcast and elsewhere, but that was weird. That was a weird trio: McGinn, Falk, Hamilton. It it it, it was just weird. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad they they were able to close that out because at that point, I mean, that felt like a big win. That that felt like a really important one. Uh, they improved to six three and one on the season with that. The, the good feelings were there, and then the next two games happened. Yeah, the next two games definitely happened. In <laughs> in the the thing that hurt the most was I think was the Islanders' loss. I was we talked about this when we had Brian on the podcast. We kind of already discounted the Bruins game. Um, yeah, I. I think um, we kind of knew that either the Sharks or the Bruins was going to be a loss or even both. Yeah. Um, but again, this is the loss to the Islanders are the type of points when if they're in a playoff spot come March, those are the ones you want back. And mm-hmm. especially that they were only able to get one of four points from the Islanders in the month of October. I, I know the Islanders are going to come back down to earth. Yes, they're second in the division as of the recording of this podcast, which is just baffling. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're going to come back down to earth. They've had a hot start by a good line, um, and t- Thomas Grice is playing out of his mind. Um, I don't think anybody expected the the Hurricanes' kryptonite to be Tomas Grice. I mean, like it's just it's ridiculous. Oh, um, can I, can I read I, a stat to you? 
Yes, um, you can. I have it written down here. It's it's just a it's just a fun stat, and by a fun stat, I mean it's absolutely absurd. So, since since March fourteenth, two thousand seventeen, Tomas Grice is five zero and zero against the Carolina Hurricanes, and he has a nine fifty nine save percentage. That's really good and dominant against all other NHL teams in that same time time span. He is 13 13 and 2 with an 889 save percentage. That is that is what is that's like 7 or 0.7 lower in save percentage than he is against the Hurricanes. So he's been, he's absolutely dominated the Hurricanes. And in reality, he is a 890 save percentage goalie. And, and and I agree with you. Like those games against the Islanders, if you're going to be a good team and you and you want to make the playoffs, like you have to you can't lose to, twice to the Islanders on home ice in the month of October. Like and you and you you were talking about the Islanders start um two of those wins came against the Hurricanes. So you outside of the hurricanes they're pretty much 500 or a game under 500 and they're probably not in the playoff spot if they don't win those two games against the hurricanes so it it all comes around to those two games and i think i think it's okay like like the islander game the both of them if you get three or four points in those games i don't think many people care about the boston loss or the colorado loss um because then it's kind of like, okay, you've proven that you can beat the teams you need to beat. Those are really good teams. But they lost to the Islanders twice. Like, that's a problem. Yeah, it, it it's definitely worrying. Um, and again, November doesn't get very easy. Uh, yeah. There are some teams in there that they can take advantage of. Uh, you face off against Detroit again. I mean, you face... A, uh, a surprisingly struggling Florida team, which I didn't oh, think yeah. was going to happen. Um, and then you get the Islanders again, and you get, you know, Montreal's playing kind of out of their mind. We'll see how they are when we meet them in late November. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, it's some pretty tough opponents, um, including, you know, the Canes will take on the Coyotes tomorrow. Um, and I, I I don't know. I don't know. They just they got to take advantage on this road trip and come out with six of eight at least, maybe five of eight. It should yeah. should be solid enough. Um, when you don't take advantage of games like the Islanders, it makes some of these these uh, these road trip games even more important and you know almost must wins in the early part of the season. So um, yeah, kind of kind of upset about that one for sure. I think they outplayed them, um, but it's just. They have to find the finishing power on this team. Um, you can't just rely on one line the whole season, or it's just going to come crashing down at one point. You know, either someone's going to hit a wall, or you know, it's just not going to work. Um, so you got to take advantage. You got to beat the the Islanders. Like, come on, come yeah. on, really? <laughs> like, you won't be able to compete against the Leafs. You won't be able to compete against Columbus. You won't be able to compete against maybe even the devils or something, you know, this coming month, if you can't take advantage of games like that. So anytime you see somebody on the schedule that it should be a win, 
you have to make it a win. You have to get those easy two points. Otherwise, I mean, you're going to find yourself on the outside again when it, when when the season comes around. So I'm not ready to throw in the towel completely yet, um, but they've got to turn something around these past seven games. And I think in one thing we've discussed, that's a personnel change. Um, we we are both pretty unhappy with how that middle six, uh, those middle six lines are going. Um, I, I'll, I'll let you elaborate further on that. Um, wow, thank you. Uh, uh, so this has been a little bit of a soapbox for me lately. So I just want to know why that stall line is still together. Um, everything you said there was correct. Like, you can't go a season or an extended period of time with just one line scoring at even strength. So, this Fogel stall williams line, great start. They had a great start. Really up to the first period, or in the Minnesota game. That was, there was their last game that they scored. Um... Over their last seven games, the Fogel-Stahl-Williams line has not scored a goal at 5-on-5. Here are the stats. Warren Fogel, over his last seven games, 97 minutes of 5-on-5 ice time. He has one point. That point was an assist on a partial line change on Martin Natchez's first NHL goal in Tampa. Natchez is now in Charlotte. Williams, 96 minutes of ice time. No points at 5-on-5. Five five. And then Stahl, just under 94 minutes, zero points again. Um, since that Minnesota game, so over their last seven or eight games at this point, a line that is not the Ajo line at 5-on-5 five five has scored twice. That Natchez goal that I just said, and then the Brock McGinn goal against San Jose after that horrible turnover from uh whomever on the sharks in their own end that was really a gift goal if we're being completely honest so you can't you can't do this like this is ridiculous you can't go seven games with no five on five offense you can't go two and five and try to keep putting the same lines out there they haven't changed anything are you kidding me? Like, I'm getting myself worked up again about this. I was so mystified by it last night. How is the stall line still together at even strength? Yes, they they are consistent. They they have the puck all the time. They have possession. Uh, they they keep the puck away from other teams' top lines. But what what the hell good does it do when when they're they're not scoring? And <laughs> when you're not scoring five on five. And you don't have a good special teams on a consistent basis, which the Hurricanes still do not. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Like, like you're not going to win. And Justin, we both said before these seasons started that we don't think they're going to be a playoff team. And I still, I still believe it because what, what's going on? Like, what are they doing? Andre Sveshnikov is still playing with Walmark and Martinuk on the fourth line or the third line, whatever. Sveshnikov is routinely getting bottom three five on five minutes um you drafted him second overall i know he's 18 i know he's 18 but 
over the past seven games, he's been a non-factor. And so has the entire forward group at 5-on-5, five five, except for the Ajo line. Like, I just, I can't believe that <laughs> nothing's been changed. Nothing. What'd they do? They they called up Nikola Wah from <laughs> and replaced him with, or they had Clark Bishop in there for two games. They put Nikola Wah in there. Now, Wah's getting negligible ice time on the fourth line with McGinn and Zekoff, which, I mean, whatever. I mean, they have good shifts every now and then, but they're not going to score goals. It... <laughs> Like, I, I just don't know how it is going to be November 1st tomorrow. And the day you're listening to this, it's going to be November 1st. And they've they've gone seven games wherein they've scored eight five-on-five goals. And six of them are from the Ajo line. And the other two are from the rest of the lines. And one of those goals is from a player that's no longer in Raleigh. I, I think Rob Brindamore is, is a good coach in that. He gets the most out of his players, and I think he gets their respect, which is something that Bill Peters did not have, um, or maybe had at one point, but then quickly lost over time. But the player usage uh, is is baffling to me by Brendamore and, and his staff right now. Again, I don't know how you can go seven games the way that they have gone seven games and and not and not make any changes, not not one thing outside of a slight tweak on the power play. And that, that's it. Um, it's just frustrating, man. Like, they, what they did during the offseason was they, they really were saying, like, this is going to be different. This is going to be a different team. It's going to look different. And then five games in, you're like, wow, okay, it does look different. And then the next seven games, it looks like the exact same thing from last year and the year before. It... Bill Pierce is known for his like blendo matic or whatever. The, the line blenders, just putting out random people with random people. That was annoying. Um, what Rob Brindamore is doing on the very opposite end of the spectrum is just as annoying. And and it's just, and it's getting the same results. I just wonder how long they have to go uh, being inept and totally in, incompetent at, at scoring goals at five on five before they, they finally decide to change something. Like I get the whole let guys develop chemistry together but it's costing them games and and they want to be a playoff team and they're they're shooting themselves in the foot every night and i'm i'm just i'm sick and tired of seeing justin williams getting burned down the right wing and it leads to a goal marshawn had it in boston or against the boston bruins uh in tampa the go-ahead goal for the lightning was justin williams getting blown by you know, because he's 37 and he can't keep up and, and you're using him so often. It's like, what do you expect? He's 37. You're giving him so much ice time. Maybe give more ice time to the, the guy who's second overall pick, 18 years old, faster, better offensively, and uh, actually do something. Just do something. Change something because it's, it's just the same. Yeah, I mean, the the whole Svechnikov situation is has just kind of gotten messy. Um, I kind of sent a pessimistic text to you the other day about I don't I don't even believe he's going to be a Calder finalist, and that's not through any fault of his own. That's through his usage. I mean, we're already you know what nine nine ten games. I don't even know how many games in. 12. And oh, sorry, wow, twelve. <laughs> um, yeah, life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And you know he he hasn't been moved. 
you know, all through training camp, he was like, well, you know, he's going to start lower and he's going to work his way up. And then he was afraid to put Martin Natchez and Sveshnikov together. Well, you know what? It might be time to call him up. Um, and it might be time to move um, Sveshnikov up because it's not working. You're not giving him enough time to thrive. He's one of your most talented players. And this is, I think this is the problem here is this is such a progressive franchise where they value analytics and and you know they're they're looking at new approaches to the game and they're not going with the old school mentality and they haven't really for a while and I feel like Brendan Moore is almost bringing an old school mentality here by saying that he needs to earn his chops on the on the fourth line like I'm not saying give him the first line with Aho and Terravine and like if you don't believe he's ready for that that's fine but i actually think you're hurting his growth by sheltering him he needs to be exposed to some of these better situations and he just needs more time he can't go on for a 35 second shift and then off the ice that quick i mean it's just not he's not going to thrive that way um i mean it's just been incredibly frustrating to see Justin Williams struggle. And I think Justin Williams does have a spot on this team. Yeah. I think, yes, you can still value culture. You can still value leadership. But at where his talents are at his age, he doesn't deserve second-line role. Um, and the last person to be upset by that, if he was to be moved down, would be Justin Williams because that's the kind of guy he is. He'd, he would be fine with it. I'm sure he would, even if it's not like – him and Brindamore are going to stop being friends or whatever. But I think that that's the, pro- you know, it could almost be a problem that they are friends because, yeah, I mean, you got to make these tough decisions to get wins from your hockey team. And the first thing it starts with is moving Sveshnikov up. You, he, if he stays on the third and fourth line, I really think it will hurt his development long-term. I hope that that's not the case through most of the season. And I, um, I know that he's not eligible to be sent to Charlotte. So it's not a matter of, of you know giving a more time kind of like Natchez has been um which by the way I expect if not want slash I guess yeah um <laughs> Natchez will be called up after this weekend um Charlotte has two games this weekend uh, on Friday and Saturday and I I just I really feel like he he's going to be called up after they get back from that road trip or maybe even mid road trip I'd probably say after that road trip mm. um so look for maybe sometime next week um I I think it's time I mean he got his points and you know he's playing well down there you know maybe he hasn't lit up the score sheet totally but when you're struggling to score a 5 on 5 you need all your options on the table and that's really to just Utilize your young rookies. They're your most talented players probably in your franchise outside of Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen. I mean, it's just – I think it's it's time to, to just trust the youth a little bit more and give them more time. Um, I like Martinuk. I, I, I like Walmart. I like those guys. They do have a role, but it's just they're – you know, in some situations, you're getting too much time, and you can't expect Andre Sveshnikov to thrive with Jordan Martinuk on his <laughs> wing. Like, it's just not. It's just not gonna. It's that's just not a pretty situation to be in. So, um, all in all, I mean, we could we could beat this dead horse forever, but it it just something needs to change over these next few games in terms of lines and give it a little shuffle. I mean, obviously, keep the one you want, um, you know, together, and that's Ferland, Teravine, and Aho, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's time. But I mean, we're wrapped up through the month of October, and that means the Canes went six five and one. That 
ends up third in the Metropolitan. Right now, is that where you thought this team would be heading into this season? Is that where you expected them to be at the end of October? I think I think that's about right. Um, I, I again, I think we both predict predicted that um, that they weren't going to be a playoff team. But I, I think I think six, five, and one, like right around five hundred. I think that was reasonable. Uh, I didn't expect it to go necessarily the way it went, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think it's right around where I would have thought you. I didn't expect them to be there. No, I I thought they were going to struggle through the month of October. Um, I always thought they were going to catch fire in the later months. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully. This isn't them catching fire, quote unquote. Yeah, I I expected the kind of the opposite. I kind of thought that they were going to come out really fast and then might hit some some bumps just because they're so young and they're so fast and energetic. Um, it kind of like the brand of hockey they were playing really fit for like October hockey, like early October where teams aren't playing defense yet, and um, you can kind of jump all over them. Um, jump all over other teams and i think they did that with their youth and their speed but now the teams are tightening up and it's not the first week of the season anymore and and they're kind of back into the rhythm it's starting to get a little bit tougher so um so yeah great start for maho and furlan that whole first line's been excellent uh best player of the month on the hurricanes justin who is it i think i think easily you have to give it to sebastian aho i mean the the big (laughs) assist streak is there um and i just think his value has just been so much more emphasized through this month and what he means to the franchise uh i think you know he's starting to get the national attention that you know he truly deserves um and he's just he's done it in the most opportune times i think most importantly was that minnesota game i mean he he was I think that was the game for me, like one of my most favorite favorite Sebastian Ajo moments. I mean, he just he took over the game and he just controlled play and I mean he was so valuable. So um yeah, easily player of the month for me. Now worst player of the month. Uh, I was gonna go with the hot take for this, but I think I'll just I think I'll just go with the obvious and that's Justin Williams. Um outside of that game tying goal, he really did nothing this month. Um, except honestly hurt the play of this of this team. I, I I'm I know that's it may sound harsh, but I, I just really take. truly I really really Actually, truly it believe it. He has cost this team some games. <laughs> I'll say wow. two of the five losses he could even be responsible. <laughs> oh man. Well they've right, lost so maybe that was they, a hot take. They've they've lost they've lost six games. Total. Oh, yeah, well well, t- okay, we're not including overtime, but okay. um, that's still a point. I mean, in the pointless games, you could say two of those are because he can't finish, and he can't help his teammates finish either. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I really think that he was the worst player through the month. And, I again, I am not discrediting his off-ice contributions or, you know, his voice in the locker room or anything like that. I think he's a heck of a guy. But heck of a guy. this month he – the, this month he did not play well at all, so um, he is my worst player of the month. All right, so November is upon us now, and a Nylander contract isn't upon the Toronto Maple Leafs or Nylander yet. Um, 
man, they they just keep they keep stirring this pot, don't they? Uh, last week it was LeBron talking about it, and now he's still talking about how the Hurricanes and Nylander might be a thing, and Brett Pesci, and all sorts of things. And Elliot Freeman says the the Maple Leafs are might be getting close to thinking about doing that. Um, they they have until December first to sign him to a contract, or he has until December first to sign a contract. Nylander in general. Um, or else he can't play the entire rest of the season. So it's a bit of an interesting situation, and the Hurricanes are in the middle of all this. Justin, what do you take away from all of this craziness? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Um, I think it's it's crazy to be even rumored for a top player like that. Uh, and and you know. The Nylander situation has been so interesting because it felt like, you know, a lot of fans were like, all right, well, you know, all right, so he, he hasn't signed in July, he hasn't signed in August, all right, he's going to get in by uh, the uh, training camp. He did it. All right, there's no way he misses the first 10 games. He has. <laughs> um, yeah. So now you got December 1st deadline, basically, or he will not play. Now, this is where I think Kyle Dubas's expertise kind of comes into play. I don't think Kyle Dubas is in any way scared of William Nylander. And he, I feel like, you know, I'm not saying he's a Lou, but he's not going to be bullied into, into a contract with him. If I think that if he wants William or if William Nylander doesn't want to sign by December 1st, so what I think he, he, I think he will, I think he'll be fine with that. And I hate to say that even now that Austin Matthews is hurt. I, I don't know. I just, I, I think they saw what that team was before Matthew's injury and that they're comfortable enough to roll with it. Um, if William Nylander wants to sit out a full year, I mean, obviously that's a lot of lost possible wages. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that his dad has a lot to do with this situation as well. And that's something that can't be discounted. And I think he's earned his money. Um, he is, at, he's had 60 points in both of his seasons that he's played there. Um, both full seasons he's played there. That's just the beginning of William Nylander. I truly believe he's an 80-point guy, or he could be up to 80-point guy, given the right you know situations. Obviously, if he plays alongside Austin Matthews, that, that total is going to be even easier to hit. Mm-hmm. But if he was traded here and played alongside Sebastian Ajo or you know maybe on, uh, on the wing of Jordan Stahl or something, I truly think that he could truly thrive. Um I, I w- I'm really excited about these rumors. And, you know, at first, when you hear that Canes mentioned, you're kind of like, okay, so they're just they're just checking around. But I think with Waddell's new approach, um, it it's a little bit more aggressive without mortgaging the future. Um, now, for this case, a lot of the rumored player has been Brett Pesci. Now, with Brett Pesci... Uh, you don't want to just give him up for nothing, yeah. but if you're giving him up for something, it's definitely William Nylander. Um, but it's not going to be the only thing. You're going to have to probably give up that first and maybe a prospect that might turn your stomach a little bit, whether that's Yanni Kokkonen, Julian Gauthier, um, even Nicholas Waugh. I mean, Clark Bishop. Clark, <laughs> Clark Bishop. I'm sure they're calling <laughs> Kyle Lewis is just can't wait to get his hands on Clark Bishop. Um, and Steven Lorenz too. I'm sure he wants yeah, Steven yeah, Lorenz. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's get it's getting really interesting, and I mean, it's literally a month. So, you know, as much as this Nylander situation is kind of being like, oh God, another headline, um, we have to have an answer by December first. So, yeah. whether that means he's extended, um, or he's traded, or he sits out the whole year, I mean, it's still been pretty crazy headlines in Toronto. So, um, but the the fact that the Canes are rumored is just is is pretty awesome, and the fact um, is that there are two teams that complement each other in, in a trade situation. Yeah, Toronto needs defense. We need more offense. We need more finishing power. William Nylander has that. Brett Pesci is at a cap friendly contract. Um, it's just yeah. I mean, and I'm not afraid to to pay William Nylander what he wants, whether that's seven and a half or eight. Um, I'm okay with that. I think that again, the cap inflation is happening, and we're so far away from the cap. It's it's even crazy. I mean, it's crazy. We're we're still like 16 million away from yeah. the cap. So, um, in this year, it wouldn't hurt, and I don't think in future years it wouldn't hurt. The only thing that would get interesting would be the Sebastian Ajo negotiations, which I hopefully hope they get done by Christmas. I would like that to be done by Christmas. Um. If it's not done by the end of the month of November, um, again, in in this crazy world, who knows? They could be signing it as we speak, and then yeah, this podcast. I predicted. Be uh, I predicted last week that they were going to sign it in the next few weeks, and I'm I'm sticking to that prediction. Yeah. So, and that's an official uh, report. Oh. I just got off the phone with uh with, with your Hari Aho, his father. He's like, <laughs> Brett, it's happening, man. I'm like, all right, Brett. What's happening, man? I've seen your tweets, man. They're pretty good, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Because uh, <laughs> right. he liked my tweets. He uh, decided to call me and uh, give me the yeah. inside scoop, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, the thing that LeBron said is is they're one top six forward away. I, I truly believe that. I think mm-hmm. the goaltending will, will figure itself out. Scott Darling still looked good in the Boston game despite it being his first game back against one of the toughest teams in the East. I'll give him a round of applause for that. I mean, three goals. I'm glad it wasn't. I predicted a four to one loss. So you did. Uh, yeah. But um, <laughs> um, yeah. No. Again, this Nylander situation. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm gonna stay tuned to the headlines for sure. But if anything, he's either resigning in Toronto or he's headed here. There, I don't see any other option that makes Oof. sense for for Toronto. I think it's either yeah. he resigns there. You know, he either gets bullied into what. Um, what Dubas wants for his contract on a short-term deal. I know they originally he spoke on all you know Sportsnet and all this stuff about how he wanted a long-term deal for for Nylander and and he said we're gonna get it done. I think, yeah, it it could get interesting. It could get interesting. I think it's gonna be a short-term deal if he resigns, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I I think it would be a great fit. The only thing I'm gonna say about this is. Furland Aho Teravinen. Nylander Stahl Svechnikov. All right. I'm just saying. Let's, let's yeah, that's uh that's uh pretty good. Uh it's a pretty good and, power play yeah. unit too. Oh, oh, what's that? <laughs> what's that? You you want uh Fogel Natchez Williams as your third line? Interesting. Oh wow. 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 That's a line that could probably work pretty well together. It sounds like three lines that could maybe uh, work pretty well. And a fourth line with with Jordan 
uh, or sorry, Jordan Walmart, Jordan Martinuk, Lucas Walmart. I mean, that that's not a bad fourth line. I'm, you know? all, all I'm saying is that is that you should just think about it for a little bit and and let me know. Um, not you, Justin, the, the listeners. Uh, the listeners, me, of just, just let me know. Just, just let, let me, him just... know. Don't let me know. I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> you know what? Don't tell me either. So don't tell anyone, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that in mind, <laughs> with that in mind, um, now with Pesci out the door would mean someone in the organization would have to step up. And that's when you turn your attention to the Charlotte Checkers. And that one player might even be Jake Bean. I wrote about him in my Checkers Corner article. You can always find that at canescountry.com. Um, and he is my player of the week. And here's why. He scored his first NHL or excuse me, AHL goal. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's solely because of that. Uh, he has played very well to start the season. Um, and he is really looking like he could be a power play quarterback. Um, I I think his passing is just brilliant. Um, his skating is still something that worries me. I don't think he's I still think he's kind of a step behind some of the other skaters in the NHL probably. Um, but yeah, I'm really high on him. So if if a Nylander situation comes up where you have to get rid of Brett Pesci, you still have a pretty good few players to pick from. And you still have Hayden Flurry down there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's Brett Pesci is expendable in this situation. So um, I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, Charlotte, they went 3-0 and this week. They finished the month at 8-1, and one, and that's first in their division. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's they, they're they just rolling. I, I, th- I think that the most impressive thing about them so far is Nedeljkovic's, um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say, actually, I changed my mind. It's not Nedeljkovic. Uh, he's played great, 6-1. and one, um, But I think it's just the... Their ability to roll the four lines. I mean, the four, all, they're stacked. They're just so stacked. Um, I, I wrote, now this is my hot take. Oh, man. I wrote at the beginning of the year that they should have championship aspirations. After the month of October, I still fully believe that. Wow. I think that they really could replace the Marlies as champions. Like, I, Oof. if, unless they get a very, unfavorable matchup in the playoffs. There's no reason this team shouldn't at least, you know, I don't know. They should, they should make the finals. They should. It's, they're just really stacked. And, and I think that defense continues to be strong. And if Hayden Flurry is not going to be called up, I mean, you have Hayden Flurry, Jake Bean, Trevor Carrick, Roland McEwen. I mean, it, it, the defense is, is almost comparable to the hurricanes at, at an AHL level. So, um, yeah, I'm really high on them. What about you? I mean, there's no reason not to be high on them right now. I mean, they're eight and one. They, they look really good. Um, I, I, early in the year, I was kind of eh on Jake Bean, but man, he, he's been great lately. He is really, you're seeing the, the offense start to, to come through. Um, it's not abnormal that it took a few games, uh, for him to, you know, feel more comfortable at that level. Um, but now that he's going, he's he's going. I mean, he has six points in his last five games. He didn't have any points in the first four games, but he has really just turned it on. Um, I definitely like that. I like that hot take. And uh, is that a podcast? 
That is a podcast. Awesome. Um, this is the Canes Country Podcast. Uh, again, I'm Brett Finger. I'm with Justin Lape. Justin, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at Linky Lape on Twitter. They can also follow Canes Country at Canes Country on Twitter, and they can like them like us on Facebook. And you can also follow us at Canes Country Picks on Instagram. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and you know what? Tell all your friends about it, and make sure to review it. Absolutely, do all those things. You can follow me at Brett underscore Finger on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.